0: Lord, You are the fountain of life Restorer of my soul I worship You today Lord, You are the fountain of life Restorer of my soul I worship You today My soul.
1: Of Hello everyone, this is Charles Zuta, and I welcome you to another episode of the Fountain of Life podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. By God's grace, we have gone through a lot of episodes on the life of King David that is on the theme Time with the King Lessons from the Life of King David in the Book of Psalms and it's been a fantastic journey hearing so much about King David. As we begin to draw this series of episodes to a close there is something that I want us to reflect on and that is to see the mind behind a lot of the things that we read in the book of Psalms. We are privileged to have a couple of the Psalms provide us with information about the circumstances around why David penned those words. So our 14 of them gives us a backdrop to those Psalms. And I want us to reflect on one or two of those to help us to look at the mind, the thinking, what was going on in David's mind, and of course his heart, as he penned those Psalms. So, join me as we look at the mind behind the Psalms, as we meditate in a couple of these Psalms. The first one I'm going to look at is Psalm 3, and I think Psalm 4. The Bible editors might have separated them, but if you read Psalm 3 and 4, the the tone and the language seem to align. But question is, what is the circumstance behind that psalm? Why did David write those words? So today, let us go to Second Samuel chapter 15. And look at the circumstance that precipitated that psalm, or the heart out of which that psalm was written, or the circumstances around that psalm and we'll go to the psalm shortly so david had had a really bad stretch after the Bathsheba affair there was just so many things that god said were going to happen to him as a result of his own actions one of them was that somebody he, he did or that that affair happened a secret but god will make sure that he punishes him in the open And one of it was that somebody from his own household, his own family, would sleep with all his wives in the open. You know, a really, really terrible thing. And of course, very, very humiliating. So when Absalom's rebellion came up, it was all part of God's judgment or part of the judgment that was pronounced on him because of that Bathsheba affair. So let us go into that story and see how it unfolded and what led to david penning psalm 3 and psalm 4 in verse starting from the verse 13 okay let's capture stuff for verse 13 he says now a messenger came to david saying the hearts of the men of israel are with absalom so he knew instantly this is trouble And how will David react? See, so David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then David went out of all his household after him. But the king left ten women concubines to keep the house. And the king went out of all the people after him, stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherithites and the Pelithites and the Gittites, 600 men who followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Verse 19. All right. Let's speak from verse twenty. So there was one young man called Gitai or Itai, and this is the conversation David had with him. He said, "In fact, you came only yesterday. That is, you joined my band only yesterday. Shall I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go no, not where, return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you." So there was this young man who also wanted to. Join David in this mass exodus. And David tells him, you only are a recent immigrant too, with us. So there's no point for me to drag you into my troubles. Just stay here. But this guy wouldn't agree. But the key word there that I want us to look at is what David said. He said, since I go, I don't know not where. Return and take your burden back. He's going where he doesn't even know. Because there is no safe place. There's no hiding place. And there is no way of knowing how bad this rebellion was going to be. Is he going to lose his life? How terrible is he going to be? So David is in a real, real big mess here. Now let's continue reading. In verse 23, so as they progress, as they move along, this is what we are told. says, And all the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook brookadron. And all the people crossed over towards the way of the wilderness. So everybody who wanted to be bound with David, who wanted to join him, crossed over with him. But remember his thinking, I go, I know not where. He doesn't know where he's going. At. It's not like those days when he was a young man, And he had just a few people with him and he was very nimble. He could go into caves and run into forests. This is a different story. This is the king of Israel. This is the king trying to survive a palace coup. It's just helter skelter for everybody. So it's not a glorious moment. It is not a moment where anybody could be at peace. So if you come down to verse 30, this is what the Bible says. So David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Very, very, very sad situation. So here he was, Leaving his beloved Jerusalem. David's tie with Jerusalem is so so strong. You know, he when he he penned those words, so the the psalmist wrote the words that if I forget you, O Jerusalem, me, my right hand forgets his cunning. And all the beautiful things that he had to say about Jerusalem and the fact that God Himself had placed his name over Jerusalem. And now he's being kicked out of Jerusalem, not by a stranger but by his own son. Of course, this is the product of his own doing. But God is merciful. God is gracious. And he was going through this. If you continue reading, there was a conversation with the priest because they were trying to take the Ark of the Covenant out of Jerusalem because it's a chaotic moment. You won't hold on to your treasured possession. And David, the Ark is everything the presence of god and the ark was his everything but he told them you know what don't bring this ark with us you keep it in jerusalem you are the priest told abiatar and he told zadok the priest that keep let's keep the ark in jerusalem and listen put your ears to the ground if you hear anything go and let somebody know that is And then they'll send me a message so I'll know what to do, how to strategize. It was at this moment that somebody also told him that Ahithophel had joined the rebellion. So it was in this moment of confusion and grief and pain and uncertainty, David had the state of mind to utter, in my opinion, one of the most powerful prayers ever uttered by humans. At his maximum hour, he had the grace to fire only one shot. And that shot was, Lord, let the counsel of Ahitophel be turned to foolishness. He realized the gravity of the situation he was in. And he reached out to God. So this is the backdrop to the story. <laughs> Excuse me. And David who later, I don't know whether it was the same day or the same month or the same week but he wrote the psalm in the heat of this moment. He wrote this psalm as he reflected on his thoughts with what was going on. And there's something beautiful that I want us to spend some time to meditate on. And this is how Psalm 3 will read. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, There is no help for him. Naturally, if you're in Jerusalem and watching this, you know, sad spectacle unfold right in front of your eyes. And you know how close David is to God and everything that he seems to do for God. It seems really a hopeless situation. You say, where is your God? You know, where is God in all this? And sometimes that is how it feels like. Maybe we we have done everything right, you know. We may not have, you know, been caught up in an adultery, murder, and denial like David has. But life situations brings us to the point that when people look at us, they wonder. But I thought this guy is a Christian. Why is he going through all this? Why are all this happening? And it, it, it is not unusual for us to also think that way, to have, you know, those words come to, to us. But what, what is David thinking? So this is what David will write again from verse 3. By you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. If you read Second Samuel 15 closely, the Bible says that as they were leaving the city, he was walking barefooted and whatever stones, whatever grass, whatever thorns were on the way. He was, it was a sign of pain and sorrow and grieving. And the Bible says that his head was down and he's covered his head. And that is a sense of shame, a sense of I've lost it or what next? Of grieving and deep pain. So when he gets down to pen the sound. The Bible says that he talks about God being his glory and the one who lifts up his head. That sense of shame, that indignity, whatever it was that this event we just read in 2 Samuel 15 was bringing upon him, David turned to the Lord and he nailed it right on. He said, you are my glory. If sin has brought me shame, if sin has deprived me of my dignity as a man and today I'm having to flee Jerusalem and I'm even separated from the ark of God and I can't even lift up my head. Lord, you are my glory and the one who lifts up my head. Then he goes on to say, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Most likely David will have known because when Ahithophel's counsel was defeated, And he went home and he killed himself. David might have known that God has intervened. So he writes, he cried to the Lord with his voice. That prayer is so momentous. That prayer is so powerful. You can't forget that you asked God to turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. Because that is a life and a death situation. So when God answered that prayer, David will have known that when he cried to the Lord with his voice, the Lord heard him from his holy hill. He knew that his prayer had been answered because had Ahito first survived, he would have been a goner. And so he writes, I cry to the Lord with my voice. How often do we look back to reflect on the things that God has done for us and to realize that this is the finger of God? If it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, let the people say, where would we have been? So he knew that the Lord heard his cry and he heard him from his holy hill. But to me, the, the most beautiful part of this psalm is verse 5, where he says, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Amazing fact. How could he have slept? Under these circumstances where every shadow is a soldier coming after him. Where every noise, every footstep is a sound of his enemies' foot approaching. But here he says, I lay down and slept. Oh, the security that our trust in God can bring. This is what David is teaching us. He says, he lay down and he slept. Sometimes adversity and challenges deprives us of sleep. It deprives, denies us of the opportunity to even have a good night's sleep. There are people in our world today who cannot you know, close an eye without taking antidepressants or taking sleep aids. But David said in the midst of this calamity, in the midst of all that he's going through, he says I lay down and slept i awoke for the lord sustained me why why how was he able to sleep in these circumstances this is what he says in verse six i will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around i will not be afraid it's a choice that you have to make. When we go through those moments, it might not be as running out. There are many situations that could make it, life look like we are fleeing from something. We are practically in exile and we, we have no roots and life is chasing us. And we have no handle and no control. And we may feel like we have no option and nothing to tend to. Security in God comes when we learn to trust God. There is something very, very powerful about David, and this is the fruit. Even in the midst of the calamity, in the midst of the issues that he's dealing with, he could find sleep. Child of God, will you be able to find sleep when life is running away from you? When you come with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, let's see the secret behind David being able to find sleep in times like this. Leviticus 26, verse 3 to 6. This is what the Bible says. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give rain in this season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing floor shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely, and I will give peace in the land. And you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. I will read the land of evil beasts. This is the promise of God. He says, if we keep his statutes, and keep his commandments and perform them. Today, we don't have laws as it were under the Old Testament. God's laws and his requirements are written in our hearts. His spirit informs us, teaches us, guides us. If we make it our business to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with everything that is within us, And we love our neighbor as ourselves, of course. What happens is that we begin to feed into God's security and God's protection. The safety that David saw at this very, very difficult moment will become ours as well. And we can say with David, I lay down and slept. I awoke. Not being afraid of the terror by night. Or the arrow, the noisome pestilence that flies by day, whatever it is that terrifies us in life, we can have security in God and be able, like David, to lay down and sleep. And we know that we shall awake. Why? Because the Lord so has us. So, life challenges may be rough, it may be things that we brought on ourselves, decisions that we made, whatever it is, so long as we are still. Holding on to God, like we learned in our episode before, to keep our relationship with God fresh. You know, to to hold on to Him. When we do that, God will give us a grace to be able to hold on to Him. Even in those times when it looks like life is chasing us. Finally, in verse 8, this is what David says. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone, you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing is upon your people. You will only know this if you keep your relationship with God fresh, that salvation belongs to the Lord. If you know that salvation belongs to the Lord, it is just natural. That you will lie down and you sleep. Even if you are walking up hills barefoot and you can't even lift up your head. Remember the Lord is the one who lifts up your head. And he is the one who is your glory. He will shield you and he will protect you. That is the mind behind that song. God willing, next week, we shall look at another song from the life of King David. And why he wrote it? And why? We can personalize it and let it be our story May God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to this episode, I, this podcast, I pray that you do. And God will continue to bless us all as we study His Word. You can access this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcasts, and all the places where you get your podcast. And may God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us
0: of my life, I worship you today.
1: The book of Matthew 11, 28-29 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest.